How many of y'all are learning something in this Unstuck series? Uh, I am going to refrain from refreshing six weeks of sermons. It's so hard because I want to make sure that y'all get all of it. But basically, if we deal with this the way it's supposed to be, um, Jesus, when he went to the cross for our sins, there were six steps that were made. There was, there was the crucifixion. Amen. We've already been through that. There was the death. Then there was the burial, making it a memory. Then there was quickening. That word quickening means new life, life-giving. So there was crucifixion, death, burial. That's the old man. Now we're in the new man. We're in the next part, which we're in the quickening. We've been here now about three or four services, and isn't it good? And I am so excited to learn about the new life, but there's more. And I told y'all at the beginning of the year that I wanted to teach y'all how to, to pray and walk in this thing and have results every time. Is that what you want? I mean, do you want to stop praying randomly and just hoping against hope that things are going to happen and wonder why God ain't on this interstate you're on? He's off on some dirt road. Listen, the truth is God's just waiting on you to ask the right questions. The problem is, is your mindset hasn't changed enough to get you to the place to ask the right questions because you don't see yourself as worthy where you got to understand that he sees you as worthy from the moment that his son died for you. So we're going to deal with that today. We're going to go a little further. I do want to say a couple things before we get there. Um, we've been using Lazarus as a great example of, of the cruci- crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection. Because when, when, they, when they rolled away the stone and he said, Lazarus, come forward, he still hopped out. He had life, but he was covered in old things. Amen. We, we dealt with that. And you can't walk into a new life covered in old things. You can't take your old mindsets. You can't go into somewhere. I, I think the greatest tragedy that people make is they go into, and I used to do it too. I, I came from a, a fireball Pentecostal church into a Word of Faith church as a youth pastor. And I wanted to change that church. And I had no idea that God was trying to teach me something. And what you want to do, you have this human uh, desire to begin to change what's around you into what you're used to. And God has no desire for you to do that. He has a desire to change what's around you into what he's used to. Amen. Isn't that good? That's what you want. So that's where we're going. But you've got to understand, I said some things Wednesday night. And if you weren't here, I'm going to say them again because I want you to hear this. Now listen, when I say this, don't run out screaming, grab rocks, and come in and stone me. But there are some things you need to hear. I told you a couple weeks ago that God made Jesus everything that he wanted you to be. Amen? He put in Jesus everything he wants you to be. Now, here's the beauty of that. The minute that you accept the blood of Jesus, when that blood covers you, you are now in God's eyes everything he created you to be. The problem is you're not looking through God's eyes. You're looking through your own. And your own sees the junk that you're in. And you got to get out of the old man, which is crucifixion, burial, and death. Or death and burial. You want to do those backwards, Lord Jesus. <laughs> but you want to get over into this new life, and that's where we're at. So we want to do this. I'm, I'm going to say this. Now, y'all stay with me, okay? Everybody say, I'm staying. I'm, I ain't going nowhere. You don't owe God anything. You don't. The greatest tragedy in church today is that we don't see salvation as a free gift. It is a free gift. It's an absolutely free gift. You you don't owe God anything. But you should give God everything. He doesn't require it because it's a free gift. 
But something on the inside of you should be so pulled toward the goodness that he's released into you that you should want to do everything that you can to be like the one that created you. Is this, I know we're starting somewhere in the middle of something, but just, just hang with me. Because what you've got to understand is if you don't owe God, listen to me now, if you don't owe God anything, then it takes the spiritual pressure off for you to serve God. Then you don't have to, but you get to. All right, I'm still digging here. Listen. God took Jesus, the last Adam, and he put him on a cross, put him into a grave, into this earth, and sowed him as a seed. If he sowed a son as a seed, then his requirement from that son was a harvest of sons, not slaves. If he would have wanted slaves and servants, he would have killed an angel. Y'all don't, listen. Listen, I know, I know everybody's like, what, where are you going? Uh, Miss, Miss Margaret told me a couple weeks ago, she said, the first two messages, I thought you was out there, but I'm getting it now. She's lying. And I know all y'all look at me like I'm crazy, but trust me, I'm taking you somewhere because I have found a place in God that I haven't been in a long time. And I'm stepping into a place that I used to stay in all the time. And I let church and religion and, and, and this denomination and that denomination and this mindset. And the truth is I was listening to men more than I was listening to him. And there's got to be a point where we balance ourselves into what he said. And we get over into the fact that we don't owe, but we get to give. This ain't a money sermon. Your life is much more valuable than your money. So let's, let's deal with this. I, I really want to get into this. Because you've you got to understand, uh, Romans, we're not going to go there. Don't turn there. But in the book of Romans, it says that Jesus is the end of the law. Listen, you, we're going to get into some law and some life. But the Bible says clearly in Romans that Jesus is the end of it. Which means he has lived it perfectly. Which means you're covered in what's already completed the law. So you don't even have to work at it. You have on you the essence that completed the Old Testament. So all you have to focus on is the new life. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Listen. Listen to me. Y'all are so work-minded that you're struggling. You don't have to work at this. You have one requirement. That's hear what he says to you and go do it. And whatever he says to you to do, you go do it and his results have to happen. Are you, are you tired of living life like nothing's happening? I mean, I, I got to a point and we're talking about preaching and, and God put me in rooms with great people and, 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 and all these different things that I always wanted. But they're starting to happen and I'm looking around thinking, is this it? There's got to be more than this. Stand in a room full of people in Texas in a minister's conference, 2,500 preachers, ego everywhere, right? I ain't just making that up. Y'all thought I had an ego. Man, and I look around, the first time, it's been four or five years ago, first time I was there, and I, I, I don't know if you remember it or not, but I looked at her and I said, I don't know if I want this. I don't know if I want this. Because pride was something I battled with my whole life. Going, I mean, I mean, you know, I'm this close to a record deal before I get saved. I've been successful in music. Everything I touch, you know, seemed to work. And, and there was a lot of ego there. 
But now in ministry, Alan can't do ministry. Do you understand? The anointing on me can. But the, but the minute ego's involved, you're pulling on Alan. And if you're pulling on Alan, you're getting Alan results. But if you accept the fact that you're covered in the same blood I am, and then when the anointing's flowing and you receive not from me but from him through me as your pastor, which is very biblical, there is a heaven and earth kiss where results have to happen. And I'm tired of going to church for 30 years and not being able to live out what I'm hearing. And it's time for that to change. Now I can send y'all home and y'all got enough. But we got more. Listen, go to Exodus 31. We're going to do a little reading this morning. Exodus 31. Cameron, I didn't give you these scriptures, so you're just going to have to, to roll with me, okay? Exodus 31, verse 18. And he gave unto Moses, and if you, if you, can, if you don't get there fast enough, just follow along. And he gave unto Moses... When he hath made the end of communing with them upon him on Mount Sinai, two tablets of testimony. What is that? That's, that y'all know what that's the Ten Commandments. Tables of stone. Last, this is what I want you to see. Written with the finger of God. Right here, it, there's something very important I want you to understand. If you will do some research you will realize that the, the scribes, they tried to recreate this over and over and over. You know, the, they had to, the reason God gave them the mindset of, of putting things down and putting them on scrolls and putting them in the ark was because they tried and tried and tried to rewrite the Ten Commandments on stone. And every single time the stones would break because only God can write in rock. Yeah, that might not mean anything to you, but to me, that blows my mind. Because you think, well, you know, we got technology today. Well, this, we're not talking about today. We're talking about then. Because it, it has to correlate with the New Testament. So how do we do that? This, we go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verse 39. We're going to go back to Lazarus. Are y'all learning anything already? Verse 39, Jesus said, what did he say? Take ye away the stone. And then the sister says, hey, wait a minute, he's dead. Then he goes on and says, he stinks. Listen to me, there's a very important point here. There's, there's a, two very important points. First thing, they recognized the deity of Jesus enough to know that not only could the finger of God write on stone, but the voice of God could move it. That's number one. But here is what we missed. Listen to me now. And this is where the church is like crazy. They believed that Jesus could have stopped death. However, they did not believe he could restore life. Are y'all seeing this? The church is living a life today where we believe that Jesus can. Very few of us expect him to. Because we believe that he can do all these things we've been taught he can do. But can he really do it for me? You know, because you just don't know what I've done. Let me just set all of y'all free. There ain't nothing you've done that I hadn't done. Because in the spectrum of God, there is no level of sin. It's just sin. 
And the issue is not have you sinned or have you not sinned because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The issue is have you accepted the new life? Have you gone through the fact that you're willing to crucify who you are, the old man, put him to death and bury him and let him become a memory and let the memories in your head become real of what he's saying to you? Because if you will say what he's saying to you, your life will line up. You find yourself in every emotional situation going back to what you know instead of stopping and saying, teach me something new. Because when you go back to what you know, you live the same life that you live. He stinks. That's a stinking thing. That's a life you don't want anymore. Y'all like where you're living? I, I, I want to go up. It's not about having money. It's about having peace. It's not about being the richest man in the county. Because that's not even... Y'all got to understand, numbers mean nothing to me anymore. Because the truth is, it's just green pieces of paper. We get dead guy's picture on it. I like to know that I can walk in something that only I can walk in. I like knowing that I can step over into something that God spoke of me to step over into and do something that only the finger of God could have set in the path for me to do. So let's go to John 8, chapter 6. Go back a couple chapters. We're going to read just a little bit more, then we're going to get into this. John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 6. Then they said, tempting him, they're speaking of Jesus, that they might have to accuse him. Now understand, they've called a woman in adultery. Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. And if you'll read on, they scattered. What do you think he was writing? The theological mind, the theological mind says that he was writing, he was writing the Ten Commandments. A lot of people say he was writing the New Testament. He was writing the Ten Commandments. And the Pharisees knew enough to know that he was either the Son of God or he was blaspheming because he was with his finger writing. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot, but when you read on, when you, when you see what happened, he says, this to, he says this to her. Woman, this is number 10, verse 10. Where are, th- where are those thine accusers? Has no man condemned thee? And she said, no man, Lord. Neither do I condemn thee. Now, here it is. Go and sin no more. We're living in a day where we don't really realize what sin is. And we don't really realize what sin is not. And the truth is the church was never designed to preach on sin. We were designed to preach on life. We were anointed and appointed to bring you up, not beat you down with what you've done. We were anointed to take you to a place you've never been and to get you to see things the way you've never seen them. Because this is what happens when the finger of God gets involved or the completion of the law, Ten Commandments, written by the finger. Now the fingers that work again. And then the finger has caused this. Go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. Which means that if the law's been completed by the blood, then the blood that you're covered in can no longer be condemned. Which means by the grace of that blood, you have the power to sin no more. Which means you don't have to be conscious of your failure. It's the fear of your failure that keeps you in that prison. It's the fear that you're going to mess up again that keeps you locked up in that thing. 
You can have all the freedom in the world, but if your freedom is not dealt with through the Holy Spirit, your freedom becomes a cage. It becomes the very freedom, the, the freedom becomes the, the prison that holds you back. And you don't really see yourself as free, but yet you do in your mind. But in your heart, you know you're struggling. You don't know why this is that way and why that's that way. And the truth is, it's, it's the simple fact that you believe that Jesus could have stopped you, but he can't restore you. This is stepping into a new life because you've got to understand that he wants you restored. The hardest thing that you have to deal with is the hardness of your own heart. And if you think the finger of God cannot write on your heart, you are foolishly thinking that you are too hard. You ever heard those people? Well, if I walk into church, it's going to fall in on me. You're what it was built for. The perfect people actually need to move to the back. We are designed to do something very specific. We're designed to stand on the behalf of God and talk to people and stand on the behalf of people and talk to God. And to get involved in that and put our judgment on there is wrong. You do realize that as a Christian, for us to put judgment on somebody else means you've put yourself back into the law and you were never designed to be there. Restoration is for one simple reason. Is because anything with death in it or anything with the law in it is designed to kill your future and your destiny and your heart. There were only two reasons. Now, you're going to love this. And then we're going to switch gears. There were only two reasons that a stone was ever moved in the Old Testament. You do know that Jesus was the Old Testament. New Testament starts in Acts. The reason a stone was moved in the Old Testament was one to bury somebody because they didn't leave the tombs open. And two, because somebody didn't get the opportunity to say goodbye to whatever was dead. Now, that, the significance of that is very simple. Is that when he says, roll the stone away, he's replacing with Lazarus. He's calling him forth, breaking him into new life. And we're saying goodbye to the grave clothes. Which means you don't have to live a mindset of old thinking. You choose to, but you don't have to. He said, go and sin no more. And he's trying to change her mindset to teach her, you don't have to do these things. Go to 2 Corinthians 3 and 6. 2 Corinthians 3 and 6. Who also, listen to me now, because he's speaking speaking about all of you. Who also has made us, that's you, able ministers of the New Testament. Here we go. Not of the letter. But of the Spirit. That's the law. Not of the law, but of the Spirit. For the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, let me show you what verse 7 says in the Amplified, Cameron, if you can do that. The law is considered this. In verse 7, the dispensation of death. Now, we're going to get over into Galatians in a little while, and we, we may get there today, we may not. But the book of Galatians was Galatians. Paul, Paul wrestled with the Galatians because they were a group of people. They wanted some of the law and some of the freedom. And, and that's, listen, that's worse. That's worse than being on one side or the other. Now, here's what you've got to understand. I'm, I'm, I want to teach you some things. I want to get you over into understanding real grace. 
I want to get you over into understanding the, the, real, uh, the real love and heartbeat of the Holy Spirit. I want to get you into those things. But until I get you there, you've got to get this. You've got to get this one statement. And if you don't get this one statement, then you don't get any of this. Grace, listen to me now. Grace is a shield that's in front of you while you're overcoming whatever it is you're dealing with. Not a quilt to cover you in the sin that you want to stay in. That's what it's supposed to be about. Now, understand this. Listen to me now. Grace, because we hear a lot about grace today. Listen. Grace without the Holy Spirit is liberty without leadership. Grace without the Holy Spirit, without His leading, without His love, without His guidance. But grace needs the Holy Spirit to work properly. Just like liberty needs leadership. Well, Pastor, I just don't believe that. You just... I'm free, I'm free in Jesus. Bless God, I'm free. Well, let me explain to you what I mean. If I called Jordan and Zion and all the kids from the back out here and I gave them the keys to your car and the pistols that are floating around this church and said, go nuts, what would y'all do? Whoa, 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 they're free. They don't need leadership. We're under grace, praise the Lord. I got a picture on my phone. It's one of my favorite pictures. It's got this woman in her car. And she's been pulled over by a state trooper. And she's got this big smile on her face. She goes, but officer, I'm under grace. Some of y'all law people don't get that. Which means most people, you get that, don't you? <laughs> most people who are stuck in a grace mindset want to live so free they don't have to answer. And the truth is, is you don't have to answer. You can do anything you want to. But if you want to live a blessed life, and we're talking about the, what that grace gives you, leadership has to be involved. Our country is a prime example. When we got good leadership, we all prosper. And when we don't, God in heaven, we're right where we are. Now, let, let me, let's, let's really dig into this. We do this. Let me say it this way. I got I to clean this grace thing up. I can speak from personal experience because I've seen this happen. People fall in love with the grace message. And they should. It's beautiful. Actually, if you'll deal with what Paul says, Paul says if you're preaching grace properly, people should catch you after church and go, wait, 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 wait. wait. You mean we can sin? But then Paul goes on to say, no, 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 God forbid. He says this, you should preach grace to the point that people are so focused on the grace side of it that they're, that they're shocked by the freedom. But you should also have enough Holy Spirit power to let them know there's a leadership involved. Because people fall in love with grace, but they don't fall in love with the person of grace. And that's Jesus. You fall in love with the message but you don't fall in love with the messenger. You, you fall in love with the idea, but we don't fall in love with him. And it's because we're not in love with him. See, listen, it's easy to find you a church and the music's good and, 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 and the lights are right and the smoke and there's people around and your friends go there because we are very tribal-minded. We, we get in there, we get in our pack and we're happy. And the truth is, you have to be where you're supposed to be with him. And if you're not in love with him, if you're just in love with church, my God, in heaven eventually. You, listen, there are people all over this world that got married and they were just in love. 
And about 20 years later, they were just in hate. And if that's what we do to Jesus, because we're trying to do this through an emotional thing, rather than seeing the goodness of his leadership, this is life. This ain't living the old way. This is changing your mindset to understand that God's not out to get you. He's not out to hurt you. He wants you to live so full of grace that the the truth is when you look at people, you look through his eyes. And and, and the truth is if I ask you to raise your hands, not all of us do that all the time. Anytime you have grace without the Holy Spirit, you're headed for trouble. Grace without the Holy Spirit is liberty without leadership. Listen, listen, liberty without leadership is rebellion. It's just that simple. They call, you know, we're, we're going into Memorial Day. And, and, and all these shows are coming on. And, and, and uh, you know, there was a show on about how the Constitution was written the other day and all these different things. And, and they call that the rebellion. But it really wasn't a rebellion because there was leadership involved. There was an idea that created a country. And what you've got to understand is this. God doesn't want to judge you. That's why he had Jesus. So judgment would never come upon you. And anything that you're living, that judgment's attached to, that guilt is attached to, God is not attached to. Now listen, I'm slowing down today and teaching this part out because you've got to understand to get over into raised and seated, you've got to think different. You've got to completely think different. You've got to think in terms of God's not out to get me. You've got to stop thinking whatever it is you've done that God's trying to remind you of. Let me tell you something. Jesus only teaches you anything to bring you up. Come on now. If, he, if, if there's anything dragging you back, Jesus ain't attached to it. And if anybody's telling you he he is, they're a flat liar and they need to get out of the pulpit. If it ain't about soul saving or fixing hearts, they need to get out of the business. Because I'm tired of it. I've seen it for decades. Now, I don't even sit, I don't go to Jackson, hang out with them. I don't go to the men's breakfasts with all the preachers and set up with my, my, I got my watch and my cufflinks. What about people, man? I'm so tired of people wanting to have their status and not the right heart. And you know how I can say this? Because I was the same guy. I did the same mess. I got caught up in it and I I just had to have an experience with God where I realized that everything that, that I was obeying, I was obeying in the law. You have to make the mind switch that the law is something you had to obey and the Holy Spirit is something you get to obey. Listen, whether you obey him or not, you can live your life however you want to. When you're not blessed, don't complain. But God ain't mad at you because you're not blessed. See, the mindset is, if things are going to hell in the handbasket, I've done something to make God mad. That's not true. That is not true. You have put yourself on a path you shouldn't be on. Ah, but the finger of God's restoration. He, He could have stopped you. Well, if I'd have just listened to my parents when I was a little kid, I wouldn't. He can fix it just like that. But you got to let him. you got to accept the fact that he's not out to get you. He's not out to harm you. He's not out to hurt you. That he's out to quicken you and put life in you. He's always, the Holy Spirit of God is always going to bring out Jesus. Yeah. 
always. He is the most gentle, non-aggressive entity on the planet. And the mindset that to be baptized in the Holy Spirit means you've got to look like an imbecile is wrong. I'm fixing to get over in something I don't need to get into yet. Because we taught this stuff wrong. So wrong. And then listen, don't get me wrong. There is a very powerful move of the Spirit. But, the, but that, is, that is built in terms of people who are believing and, and understand what's going on. And that, that, I don't have time to get there. But this is what you must see about grace. Listen, grace wants you. Grace by its very nature. Grace is a personality trait of God. And grace wants you to live a life of grace thoughts, grace decisions, and grace actions. And if you're not doing that, the only opposite side is that you're living a life of law thoughts, law actions. And that gets you a law life. Which means that you have a list. Listen to me. When Jesus died for you, he did not clean up the old man. See, that, oh God, you, you, bless God, we'll get him in the boat and Jesus will clean him. That's not what he did. That's not what he did. What he did was completely give you an opportunity to pull everything old out and put something completely new in. Because if you live life by trying to clean up the old, you're living by rules. Jesus even dealt with that. The only rule you have is love thy neighbor as thyself. Hey, if you can love your neighbor, I got some neighbors. I, and I like them a lot. On both sides. But to love them like I love me, that's tough. And I do like them a lot, just in case they ever get this CD. Because <laughs> they do. But here's the thing. We were never designed to sacrifice. All right, I'm going to try to wind this thing down and clean it up right here. Most of you in this room have a checking account, a debit card, a credit card, a little money in your pocket. Even if you're broke, you have access to food somehow. I've been there. I've, I've had to have an EBT card when I got hurt. There's no shame in that. But that is the society we live in that's built on commerce, right? We all agree. The Old Testament, which Jesus is involved in, they didn't live by that. Every decision and everything that was ever made, every legal government action, there was blood in it. There had to be yearly sacrifice for an entire nation. And you think tax time is bad. There had to be blood shed for an entire nation for the remission of sin. God said from the foundation of the earth, there's going to come a time where there's one, there's one sacrifice for all time. And you're blessed enough to be in that. But you're so commerce-minded, you don't see the price that was paid for you. Which means you don't value what was done for you. And when you don't value what was done for you, you breed rebellion in you against what was done for you. So when there was one price paid, when blood went into the ground, when blood was shed for you, when Jesus was sacrificed for us, he was sacrificed not out of an angry God, but out of a loving God that says, let's do this one time so nobody ever has to taste this again. 
So I'm telling you all of this today to tell you to stop saying whatever you're going through, God's teaching you something. Listen, let me see your Bible. If you want to know what God's teaching you, it's between leather. It's not in you being broke. It's not in you being hurt. It's not in you being sick. It's not in your family hating you. It's not, against, it's not in people coming against you. This might, well, God must be teaching me something. I must have missed it somewhere. You're completely missing grace. Let, let, me, let me go ahead and just make it easy on you. You're going to miss it. Matter of fact, you're going to miss it more than you get it in the beginning. But the truth is, is you were designed to learn from this. If, if Satan can get the church focused on sin then he's gotten us focused on the wrong currency. It's like you trying to go to Walmart and buy something with an expired credit card. Just because you're in there 35 times a day like we are, buying milk each time. Just because they know us doesn't mean they're going to let us, and they do, doesn't mean they're going to let us walk out with something we didn't pay for. And Satan is trying to get our minds on old life so we can't take home, we can't walk out of church and get to the restaurant and get home and keep what was paid for us because it's not even being preached to us properly. We're being taught condemnation. We're being taught pain. We're being taught hurt. We're going to, I'm just going to be honest with you. I appreciate the Old Testament. It's a type and shadow and it should be used. But the Old Testament is only there for reference. We don't live there anymore. We're in a whole new place where life has to be at work. Are y'all getting this at all? Because to get you over into wisdom, to get you over into the place where wisdom is the principal thing with all thy getting and understanding, I got to get you to get something. And before you can get something, you got to get your heart right. And, it's, and, and see, people get offended when I say this stuff because they think, well, you're telling me my heart's wrong. No, I'm, I'm just telling you it's not focused on the right thing. You know how I know? Because I was there for a decade. I don't want you having to find yourself under a desk sobbing like a baby realizing how far you've gone. I don't want you realizing that you've hurt your own children with your hardness and the people that you were called to pastor because you you thought you're visionary and just whipping everybody into shape. No, you're just whipping everybody. See, I had this mindset. I got this advice when I was a young preacher. Um, and it wasn't from anybody around here. This is what they said. They said, shepherds, speaking of me in ministry, um, shepherds see lions. Sheep see teeth. And if you're hitting the lion, but the sheep get in the way, that's okay. Which developed in me, and she'll tell you this, it developed because I have this, I see things in the spirit. I, and I have this horrible habit, this breaking, of dealing with people and attacking what's attacking them, but I hurt the people in the process. And for years she would tell me, you're doing, and I, I thought, well, they're just getting in the way. And then finally God shook me and said, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Is that how I deal with you? And I thought, well, no. <laughs> Everything changed. Everything changed. We, we've actually had to develop a system here that we'll, we'll counsel anybody if we can. 
but, but we want you to sit here for, for two or three months because usually what, you're, what you need is going to be coming across this pulpit. And, and we get in there and we try to help you without, we're under a different anointing, but this is an impartation. And if you can't get it out here, you ain't going to get it in there. Because really in there, you just want to, you, all you want is somebody to complain to. Not you, great people. I'm talking about people that call. Because that does happen all the time. So let's, let's look at this. Galatians chapter 5. Are y'all okay? Y'all learn anything? I, I know that the first few messages were fun and we had a good time and we did. But see, now with all thy getting, get understanding, that takes your personal effort. You have to dig into some things and settle into some things. Galatians chapter 5. Here we go. Verse 1. Stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, that's us, being not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Amen. You happy about that? Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Basically, it's talking about the law. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. If you put judgment on somebody... And say, well, they come in and got saved, bless God. And, and two weeks later, they were out there doing this and that. That ain't your business. Amen. And all you've done is made yourself a debtor to live the way you want them to live. And I have found out that most Christians do not want to live how they want me to live. I, well, maybe you hadn't met them yet. <laughs> Verse 4, Christ has become no effect. Remember, we're learning Christ. Y'all remember where we started? Christ, or the anointed one in his anointing, has become no effect to you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, listen, you are fallen from grace. Now, if I was to ask you to raise your hand and explain what that means, most of you would give the same example. Well, when you sin, you fall from grace. No, that's not what it says. It says when you make Christ of no effect. Which means when you try to sprinkle the law in, you've made freedom. It has no effect on you. Because the very tie you tried to put on somebody else by the very law of sowing and reaping has now come on you. This is why, listen to me now. Can, can I explain, can I take five more minutes and explain to you why you struggle with this? Okay, <laughs> I was beginning to wonder, my God, break the coffee out. Listen, God said in Genesis, as long as, there, uh, long as the earth remains, what? Seed time and harvest shall remain, which means whatever you sow, you will reap, right? The Bible says to, as he's, as he's speaking into Adam's body and causing life, he, he's saying basically, and he says it, <clears throat> you, will, you will recreate after your own kind. Let us make man, what did he say? Let us make man in our image, right? Adam fell. Now, we've already dealt with the fall. We know that it wasn't rebellion. It was a mistake. We, I don't have time to go into all that. But then, Adam's first son, listen to me now. Adam's first son, it wasn't Cain and Abel. It was Seth. Listen, Seth was the seed of Adam. But it was the seed of a fallen Adam. Which means that Adam sowed the seed of recreating after his own likeness someone in the law and fear. 
which you've got 4,000 years of law and fear growing inside of you that you're trying to break with one good anointed service. This is why Satan, listen, all of us who grew up in Pentecostal stuff, Satan wants us to come to church and run and shout and not learn anything because we think we're doing something. But we're not learning anything. All of, and I grew up in all of them. I've been in Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal. I've been in all of Word of Faith. I, I grew up Baptist. And, and, and growing up in the Baptist church, Satan wants you, if all you do is get saved, you're good. I, I was in the Methodist church, and, and the Methodist church taught me, well, if you, just, if you just think like Christ. The truth is, there is a little bit of truth in all of it. But Satan has separated us to where we can't get the whole truth. And the whole truth is the new life is what we were supposed to walk in. It starts with salvation. Then every single thing you're going to go through in life, you'll go through these six steps. And you're stuck every time somewhere in one through three because you don't know there's more. And we think because to walk in more means we have to do more or be more. All you have to do is obey more. Why do you think the word is very clear on the fact that it says that obedience is greater than what? Sacrifice. Because sacrifice, listen, listen, listen. Sacrifice was already given. There is no sacrifice required from you. Only obedience. Well, there's the sacrifice of praise. If you understand grace, that's not a sacrifice at all. If you understand that he's not out to get you, that's not a sacrifice. If you understand he's not trying to hurt you, he, listen, we don't have time to go into 2 Corinthians and godly conduct, and I'm not going to get into all that. What I need you to understand today is the simple fact that you have been given the opportunity to walk in absolute freedom. But you have to have absolute leadership. He wants to teach you. He wants to guide you. I I love it when I talk to people and, and something good will happen in their life and they'll say, you know, something was telling me. He was leading you the whole time. I love to hear stories of, of 9-11. Uh, you know, I, I hate the tragedy that happened, but there's, there's hundreds of people with stories on how they went the wrong way to work. They just they felt the need to go the wrong way, and they got caught in traffic, couldn't get there. One lady had never been late to work, ever. Didn't even wake up that morning. Her, pa- her, her dad's a Pentecostal pastor. Was praying in the Holy Ghost that morning. Her clock didn't go off. Things like that. If you're submitted to the freedom, submit to the leadership. Listen to me. Everybody right here, look. God's not mad at you. Oh, come on now. God ain't mad at you. He's not trying to put cancer in your body. He's not trying to put you in a car wreck to teach you something. He's not trying to make you sick so you'll witness to the nurse. Let me tell you something. I've been sick. I ain't witness to nobody. I love my family. I love my church family. I love what God's doing in me right now. I love what God's doing in all of us. But there's more to do. And it's in the spirit. It's with our heartbeat. It's with knowing that what he's saying for us to do is the proper thing because he loves us. I appreciate, I do appreciate coming in here and having people that I know are listening to me. And I do appreciate because my ultimate goal when I walk out of here is to see people having the light go on in their eyes. I used to think that if I preach hard enough and good enough, that people will get it. And it made me law-minded because I wanted to be good enough. 
So you think, nothing wrong with education and, and, and putting in effort. Uh, Nick just graduated from, from fire college, and, and man, the hell they had to go through, right? Y'all fought to get through that thing. But they celebrated, uh, and they should. But for all of that celebration that we do in life for accomplishment, if we don't hear him, we're under the law. And if we're under the law, then we're subject to what the law brings. But if we're under grace, we're free. He whom the Son has set free, come on, is free indeed. How is he free indeed? Which means that the one over him is looking at everybody else going, go ahead and touch him. Grace was never meant to give you the license to sin. You had that by being born. You... It amazes me the preachers that won't preach it. Well, you know, if I preach freedom, they'll, they'll just go do things. They're doing them anyway. Preach love. Preach the word the way that it's supposed to be. Get it in their heart. What's in them will grow. It may not grow when you want it to, but it's going to grow. Now listen, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to hush. Because I know we got a big weekend and I want everybody to go home and have fun and have a safe, you know, Memorial Day and all this. But... When it, and I don't preach holiday messages, y'all know me. But you, you have to know the difference. Veterans Day is celebrating those who served. Memorial Day is remembering. It's not, listen, Memorial Day is not an opportunity for you to get, get on your boat, get drunk, and barbecue. It is remembering why you can be free. Y'all, that's all grace is. It's the goodness of knowing God's not out to get you. And remembering why you get to be free. Now, you do have leadership. You cannot let your child have your 45. And then get mad when they shoot somebody, including you. Now, let me explain to y'all this. My family, my daughters and my, my sons, they all know. We, we teach them from little And you might disagree with me, but I really don't care. They're my kids, not yours, by the way. When I've raised them from little bitty, that they, they're never, they don't date just one of the boys going with a girl, one of the girls going with a boy. They're just not going to do it. Because if one of my 15, 16, 17, even up to 35, if they come home pregnant, how can I be mad at them for adult results when I allowed them to be in an adult situation? That's my leadership. But they're taught from very young. This is how you're going to be raised. So they, they don't argue with me because they just know this is how it's going to be. And the truth is this. They also know to clean this up so y'all don't think my kids are perfect. No, no, no. They also know, where am I? Cameron's back there. The other kids are in the back. They know it's not an issue of saying, oh, is he good enough for me? No, no, no. They turn that around and say, Holy Spirit, have you made me good enough for the one you've got for me? Because God loves him as much as he loves her. And if she's not ready for him, he'll protect him from her. And if you don't see that that's how good God is, you don't know God yet. God's not out to stop you from being free. He's out to teach you how to live the freedom to the, to the lifestyle of prosperity. We, listen, I understand grace can be misused in my God in heaven. I, I can take you to 12 churches where it's being misused. But the truth is, so can prosperity. 
So can Pentecostal movements. So can all. So can salvation. It can all be over overused to the point that you miss everything else. But the truth is, when you get down to it, the truth is, He loves you. He ain't mad at you. If you can just accept those two things, everything else is worth it. Y'all, He's not. I love going to Canaan Land and teaching. Because when you tell those, when they realize, because that is the core, one of the core values at Canaan Land, God's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. And, and we're talking about Canaan Land, you know, guys that come from, from, from some stuff and things that, you know, some, some guys come from just, you know, hey, I just, you know, I need to get away from what I'm in and just get a biblical education. And some guys come from mess. But the truth is, is God doesn't love me any more than he loves them. You are covered in the blood of Jesus which means the very empowerment of freedom is already there. The only thing you have to do to activate it is hear his voice and do what he said. But we're so commerce-minded that we've got to work. But the Bible says to labor that you enter to rest, which means relax. He's got this. But he's going to tell you how to do it. I'm, I'm telling you right now. I am seeing our ministry grow before my very eyes. And I'm not just talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. I can see. I literally can see maturity that I've never seen before in this room. But it's not because I'm doing such a good job. It's because I'm submitting to the same leadership. And I don't want to be what I've always been. I want to be something new. I want to be exactly what I'm called to be. I don't want to just have grace and be rebellious. I won't. See, the, there's one thing that I've learned. When, when we brought Serena into our house and we adopted her, most children want leadership. They really do. They want leadership. They want to have rules and regulations. They want to have, just tell me how to do it and I'll do it. That's what they want. It's the ones that have had it their whole life that don't understand the parameters of what you're doing that rebel against it. And the truth is, we have grown up in church in the Bible Belt and we're so used to all this stuff in church that we miss it when something flies right by us and God's trying to teach us something. And He only teaches to raise you up through love. I have to get you to understand God is I don't care what you've been through I don't care who divorced you who left you who hurt you I'm sorry about those things and we can help you through those things but God did not do it to you if you'll look back and realize it's something that I've had to look back and realize God was always trying to talk to me talk to people around me and anything he could to help me and the truth is sometimes things just happen oh but he can fix it so much faster than you think. Are y'all learning? I know this is, we're, we're, we're taking new steps here. But if I don't get this, when I, if I get you to Colossians 3 where you're seated, you've got to understand that when you are a speaking spirit and what you say will manifest. So I'm trying to change your mind before I get you to the place where you understand that because you'll stop saying, you'll just start walking. The greatest thing you can do is what Jesus did. And I'll leave y'all with this. He said, I'll only say what my father says. And I'll only do what my father does. And as church people, we're really good at that for about five minutes a day. And we got to fix that. We've got to turn it around 
to where the majority of the time we're like him and grace covers when we're like us.